This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. If you're looking for the voices of strong women with tender hearts who are engaging issues that impact us all, but especially young women, this new series is for you. When COVID started, I paused the podcast and started a monthly membership community for women raising tween and teen girls. Each month we entered into our own stories and our daughter's glory through a relevant topic teen space. I interviewed experts and released them in this private group, and now you get to hear them too. Stay tuned for a lineup of wise thought leaders. I can't wait. Well, welcome to a new month of Fierce and Lovely Moms. And in this month, we've been talking about peer pressure. So it just feels so appropriate to have the guest today, um, our expert interview with Rebecca Lindenbach, who's up in Canada, and uh, a young woman who in many ways, I feel like is kind of the the evidence of, of things that we're doing. It really does work. And so I can't wait to hear more from her. I just finished her book, Why I Didn't Rebel. A 22-year-old explains why she stayed on the straight and narrow and how your kids can too. Rebecca, it was, it was wonderful. Um, so let's, let's dive in. I would love for you to start just by sharing a little bit more about who you are and what fills your days and um, where you are in Canada for, for our listeners who, are, who know Canada well. Tell us all those things. Sounds good. I'm from southeastern Ontario in a small city called Belleville, which is halfway between the uh, Toronto and Ottawa. I'm obviously an author because we're talking about my book, right? I write. That's what I do. I create content online uh, and through um, published materials as well. I started out with this whole book, Why I Didn't Rebel, talking about um, what parenting strategies helped me and 25 other um, teens who I talked to. And today, my kind of emphasis on research and evidence-based uh, living has shifted more towards marriage and sex. And I actually work with my mom in that uh, field online. Uh, I work on her website, to lovehonorandvacuum.com. And she and I and another woman named Joanna Swatsky have a new book coming out in March, which is called The Great Sex Rescue, which is an evidence-based look at evangelical teachings on marriage and sex to see what helps, what harms, and uh, is there a better way that could lead to more satisfaction for more people? Wow. Wow. Well, that could be a whole nother that we'll have to revisit um, one another and have that conversation because I've got (laughs) now a ton of things running through my head. Like, what is that like even to, to work on that with your mother? Well, and also what, how do we as moms, because I I am a mother now too, like how do we as moms instill in our own kids healthy ideas about these things without the shame message, right? There's a lot, there's a lot. Yes, yes, yes. Well, chapter two in my book is beyond periods and purity. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have thoughts on um, how we need to do things better. I don't necessarily have all the answers, though. So I'm looking forward to reading that book. Um, oh, I hope it helps. Because <laughs> I sense that we and your mom and I like similar, similar vibe and approach um, to things as Christians. So, mm-hmm. okay, so that you're a writer, you're a mom, young mom. Yes, how old is mom. your... Is your he little is, one? My little boy is 12 months old. 
Okay. And it flew by. They weren't lying. Yeah. It flies by. Yeah. Yes. So okay. I'm, I'm, and it's, it's funny because when I look at my book, Why Didn't Rebel, I'm so glad I wrote it before I was a mom because when, when I wanted to write a book that was evidence-based, it was more than just my story. It was more just then, Hey, here's what worked for me. It was, Hey, I want to do a intense interviews with 25 people and look at all the research. And in essence, I was doing my honors thesis with the university at the same time. I, in okay. essence, just did two honors theses. Um, right. I did like two big research projects. And uh, because I didn't have a kid yet, I didn't actually have anything to prove. Like I wasn't trying to tell myself, yes, you're doing a good job. I uh -huh. had no real personal agenda in it. It was all about, I want to honestly figure out what works best and look at the research, look at people's stories. And that's where it came mm -hmm. from. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's what made it is having 25 others mm -hmm. could validate kind of your theories and validate what your parents approach was with you so how about we start kind of big broad strokes of what the the 10 different themes were that you covered and then we'll, we'll kind of narrow in a little bit more yeah sure my 10 themes i wanted to cover in the book after this and everything that i wrote in the book i the 10 themes came out of those interviews that I did. I analyzed all of them and I was like, okay, what's the same, right? Mm. All the kids who rebelled, what did they have that was the same? All the kids who didn't rebel, what was different than the kids who rebelled? And, and that's where I got my, my points from. So I can wanted we, to talk. Can I interrupt you just for a second, yeah. Rebecca? Define rebel. Because that, that was the first might, one. It's okay. Yeah, no, it. exactly. Because the idea of rebellion can be actually a, quite a muddy one, right? Because when does a kid rebel? Is it if they have one drink at a party and then never do it again because they feel genuine remorse? Did they rebel? Mm -hmm. Right? Or was right. that a mistake? What about the 13-year-old who's super hormonal and slamming doors and screaming at her younger brother and then gets her first period? Is she a rebellious teenager every month if she has some hormonal fluctuations she has a difficult time dealing with? Or is she just hormonal? Right? right. Or right. what what do we actually mean we say rebelling? And I I wanted in this book to help give parents kind of a an idea of rebellion versus the quote unquote good kid that was less based on kind of shame and fear that your kid is going to make one mistake and ruin their life and more about a holistic understanding of who is your child. Like what does their soul long for? You know, because mm -hmm. some kids just make more mistakes than others, right? We're always going to have some kids who are more anxious, more tentative, and they're probably not going to kind of jump in feet first, which also means they don't tend to trip and fall as often. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But especially if we have one of those kids who kind of needs to learn by doing, even if that means making mistakes, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a rebellious kid. It might just mean that they have a bit of a more difficult journey in figuring out being a responsible, you know, adult and how to make good choices. But if we allow ourselves to look at the heart of our child and look at how God is working in them and whether or not they're listening to God or they're chasing after God, even if it's in a bit of a messy way. If we're allowed to give our kids permission to be messy, I think yes. it's easier to be honest with ourselves about are they actually rebelling or are they just 12? Yes, yes. And Rebecca, one of the things I talk about with our, with our community is that behind some of those behaviors, whether they're just 12 or hormonal or just it's their personality, we can always find signs of God's glory. It can always point us more to how they bear his image to the world. If we can look 
beyond and below those surface behaviors that seem so unattractive in the moment. And Completely. so moms, I hope you're hearing like just the parallel um, in, in what we've talked about with Awaken and what Rebecca's sharing here. So continue. Yeah. I love it. So the, I'll really, really quick. My, my points that I found were the families who rebelled versus families who didn't had difference in how they handled rules um, in their families. Um, as well, the general expectation of how kids would act was completely different. Do you expect your kids are trying to hide things from you or do you expect your kids to be able to make good decisions, right? Mm -hmm. And you may think that's a chicken or the egg. Okay, obviously, if your kids are making bad decisions, you're not going to expect good things from them. But what I found in my interviews, even of kids who had perfect behavior, a lot of parents still had very negative expectations because they're living out of a fear-based parenting mentality. And that um, echoes through a lot of this. Do you have hmm. a faith-based parenting mentality towards your kids or fear-based? And that plays into as well another um, key difference that I found was how parents communicate with their kids. Um, are you communicating in a way where you're communicating because you're trying to get information? Like, okay, like what happened at school today? Did you talk to that girl I really don't like when you talk to? You know, what about any boys? Did you, my sweet little 15 year old girl, did you talk to any boys? Like, are there any boys at school who like you? Are you making sure that they know that you're not allowed to date until you're 87? You know, are you talking to yeah. your kids to get information? Or are you talking to your kids because you actually want to talk to your kids? Because mm. um, they can tell. Uh, I will say that. Yeah. yeah. But then as well, um, we want to have an actual friendship with our parents. And that's what's often missing in a lot of these conversations, I find, is we get told all the time, you're the parent, not their friend. But who actually has more influence over your day-to-day -day life, right? Your friends mm -hmm. or your boss, mm -hmm. right? Your boss can dictate what you do, but do they actually change your heart? not really unless they're also a very friendly person right like we are influenced and we're changed by the people who allow us to meet with them emotionally not just in a power structure um and that's where we can uh, see all this peer pressure stuff we're ta you're talking about this month as well right why is peer pressure so strong because that's where the emotional connections are so if you're focused on being a parent and not a friend your children may be yearning for that emotional connection elsewhere. And the pull of peer pressure is even stronger. Whereas if you have a strong friendship with your kids, in essence, you're actually kind of doing peer pressure both ways, but one of them is safe and healthy because you know that your parents are also your friends, right? You, you care about them. You know them as people. You want to please them. You want them to like you. You want to hang out with them. And so what they think and what they care about also matters when you have that friendship, not just a hierarchy. Mm. Okay. I, yeah. I have goosebumps right now because that is so true. And, and that, I think that's what rang true for me most in your book was where you talked about families are teams and not clubs, yeah. or where you talked about the sense of belonging, where you talked about the sense of just enjoying being together. Mm -hmm. um, all of that is what you're saying. Like that home, that family is the replacement for all yeah. of the struggle in, in peer relationships that they experience out there. It and totally is. if we don't invest in that, then they'll find the emotional connection in their peers solely. Yeah. And that may or may not be good. 
And that's the thing. You aren't even competing with their friends. That's what a lot of parents often think. It's like, well, I have to, I have to be more fun than their friends. I have to make sure that they like, that they, they care about this more than they care about all these other people. Or I have to, I have to somehow compete for your kid's affection and desire to, you know, connect. And, but children are built with this just innate need for their parents to approve of them, right? Like all of us, we want our parents to love us. We want our parents to connect with us. We want to feel seen and known and understood and loved at the very core of our being by our parents. It's a natural human desire. Um, and even in my book of all the kids who I talked to who rebelled, because I talked to everyone long after the rebellion happened, like closer to in their 20s, um, every single kid who rebelled said their main uh, regret from high school wasn't the rebellion. It was that they weren't, they don't have a good relationship with their parents or they don't have as mm -hmm. good of a relationship as they wish they did every single one. And some kids made some mistakes that they really regret now, but what they, they still are yearning for and longing for is that deep connection with their parents. So you're not even competing. It's just, your kid has this vacuum in their heart where they need the emotional connection from you. And you can just fill it. You don't need to be cooler than the kids at school. You don't need to have, you know, the most fun gadgets. You don't need to have the most crazy family vacations. You just need to be you and you just need to be emotionally available and to be open to your children. And they just, just eat it up. And that looks odd in preteen and teenage years. And often that looks a lot like mommy needs space. Um, but if you're persistent and you're open and you just honestly want to know your children the same way that you would get to know a friend at church or a friend from work or just, you know, your sister or your cousin, just as a person, not as a potential landmine or a potential mm. rebellion case or, you know, uh, a mistake waiting to happen because you know what happens when they turn 16. Um, if you mm -hmm. are able to get out of that fear and focus more on just knowing your child and accepting them as they are, the kids respond like nothing else. That's what mm -hmm. I found over and over in my interviews. And that's what we found in, I mean, psychological research too. I mean, look at all the research that's coming out about um, being emotionally available and the importance of emotional connection with your kids and using emotional language and explaining feelings and being mm -hmm. open and honest. Like kids mm -hmm. just want their parents. And I hope that's just right. an encouraging message that when you're, when you're scared about the influences in your kid's life, understand that like biologically, you are the greatest influence in your kid's life. You just need to be willing to meet them where they're at. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I think that is encouraging because what you kind of end with is authenticity. That's what I'm hearing mm -hmm. in all of that. Like just be you, be your authentic you, and they will see that. They will be drawn to that. Um, you also just talk a lot about, and, and you've seen this in the 25 interviews, of like a level of independence, a level of treating teens as young adults, like mm -hmm. from, the, from early on, and granting a lot more leeway than perhaps a lot of more conservative Christian teaching would, would offer. Yeah. Um, and what you saw is that that was really true for the kids who did not rebel mm -hmm. is that they had that and experienced that. And so can we, let's talk a little bit about that yeah. in light of peer pressure, because I totally. think when we start seeing that happening with our kids, our daughters, particularly, many of us will respond in fear yeah. and we'll, we'll start tightening down. 
and whether it's, we talked about social media and cell phones last month. Um, so whether it's that or, um, you know, amount of time spent or more monitoring conversations or whatever, oftentimes we respond in, in fear and, and tightened boundaries. Yeah. I feel like your research showed something different. And so yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about how parents could respond in different ways to watching their kids start to experience some, some non-positive peer pressure. Yeah. I think when, when I was talking to the 25 people that I interviewed and looking at my own experiences, what stood out to me was that a lot of families have this mentality that once you're 18, you're on your own, you're an adult, but those kids tended to be treated like children until their 18th birthday. Hmm. Whereas there were other families who more treated it the way that you're talking about, where there's this kind of re slow release, right? There's the, the idea of learn to walk versus the bird pushing the baby out of the nest, right? Yeah. We don't want to push our babies out of the nest, right? Because then if they don't fly, it doesn't end well. Um, and so what I found in a lot of families is it started with, you know, being able to maybe talk later on the phone with friends when they were 10 you know, and then they get an allowance that's a little bit bigger for their bigger purchases. They can make their own. That's happened in my family. We had a clothing allowance at 13 where we were allowed to choose what kinds of clothes we bought and uh, where we shopped. And, but we only had so much money. So if we made a bad decision, well, we had to babysit to buy the new pair of jeans that, you know, actually fit properly. So there were a, there's little tiny kinds of independence you can give kids, but overall there's this mentality that parenting is not about simply kind of breaking your kids into submission, but it's about giving them an appropriate amount of independence so that you can continuously allow them to prove to themselves that they can do this so that they don't feel like they're in over their head, right? We're not saying that at age nine, your kid should be able to do whatever they want. That's not what healthy independence looks like. But it might look like you don't necessarily freak out if they have a friend that you don't like. Mm -hmm. You know, what instead helps, instead of trying to crack down on rules, what I found is conversations. If you're scared about something, tell your kid, you know, and say, hi, I see you're hanging out with Jack at school a lot. I also see Jack doing a lot of drugs. So maybe we talk about that, you know, because here's where I see that as a mom and why that freaks me out when I see my little girl hanging out with a drug crowd, you know, that you can have those conversations and not treat them like a child, you mm -hmm. know, and you can have those conversations and set boundaries in a respectful way. A big one in my family was we weren't allowed to Skype or FaceTime with boys um, when I was quite a bit younger, when I was like 13, 14 which is, I'm sure most people are, that's understandable. You don't want your 13 year old FaceTiming or I guess, yeah, back then it was Skype only, yeah. uh, you know, some guy at 10 o'clock at night. Um, mm -hmm. but as I got older, I started challenging that and I said, listen, my friends live far away. You know, I have guy friends who live down in the States and I'm in Canada. Why can't I Skype with them if they're good guys? And if I were going to school, cause I was homeschooled as well. If I were in a public school setting, I'd be hanging out with guys when you weren't there anyway. My parents sat down with me and they said, actually, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And they gave me that increased independence because they knew that I had thought it through and we discussed what was appropriate and, you know, basic things like 
What's our boundaries as a family? And I'm not going to tell you what specific boundaries should work for you. That's totally up to you. It's totally up to you and your kid. But I think when we talk about this independence, it's not you don't have any independence and then immediately at 13 or at 14 or at 17, you get all the independence. It's an ongoing conversation because that's one of the learning tools you can give your kids is showing them how do adults make decisions? How do adults think things through? What are the kinds of dangers you have to consider, right? What are the things that could go wrong? How do you think through how to, um, how to alleviate some of those risks? That is such a gift. And being in a conversation with your kid, first of all, makes them feel like you do see them as a person, you hear mm-hmm. them, and you value their voice and their opinion. Um, because that's mm-hmm. what independence is really about. It's about being able to take steps to put your life in the direction you want it to go. Yeah. And so when you are scared about things as a parent, if you're scared that your kid is going to start going to parties they shouldn't really shouldn't go to, or you know, get involved with the crowd at school that you're just really uncomfortable with, talk, just talk. <laughs> you know, show them how you'd want them to Easy think it through. Just talk. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I imagine, like, of course, if you're training them on how to think and and problem solve and, you know, be able to critique their choices, you are equipping them and instilling in them the ability to make good decisions on their own with their peers. It's not just the benefit of you having that good and healthy conversation and it deepening your connection. It, it actually empowers them to do what you want them to do. And that's make good decisions with peers. Exactly. And when you have these conversations about like, uh, oh, a big one is my, my parents would, would talk to us about everything in terms of motivation, right? So why are they doing this? Well, they're doing this because they're lonely or because they have low self-esteem and they're trying to get someone to tell them that they're worth something, right? And so when, when you have these conversations about these difficult things, like why does Jack do so many drugs, right? Well, you know, he's got a really, really stressful situation at home. He doesn't have a lot of supervision. And this is probably one of the only ways that he can feel okay, you know, because his life is so stressful. So when you understand that, it suddenly doesn't seem as cool. Mm-hmm. right? Because it just makes mm-hmm. sense. But you're like, yeah, but that isn't for me because I, I don't want to take the risk for something that I know could be bad. And I know why Jack doesn't. I have compassion for Jack as a 15 year old, you know, but I'm not going to choose that for myself because I don't think that's a wise choice. And if you have those conversations, it's such a better way of teaching your kids why not to do things or why to do other things than simply saying you must or you must not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what about moms who, who currently right now feel like, okay, you, you say talk and that sounds really easy, but my daughter does not want to talk to me. And yeah. there's been some rupture in the relationship where there's some, some pretty big distance that um, mom recognizes needs to be shrunk, um, mm-hmm. but might feel pretty hopeless right now in doing that. Um, yeah. Maybe she's listening to this thinking, is it too late? Um, because that's not how I've, I knew to raise her thus far. What are some thoughts around that? Yeah. Well, first of all, I mean, my first thought is I talked to a lot of kids who did rebel quite a bit and every single one of them now has a relationship with their family. And that was, and the oldest person I talked to was 25. 
Okay. So I talked to everyone aged 18 to 25. Mm -hmm. So I did talk to a lot of kids who did rebel. So if you're in the middle of your kid rebelling and you think nothing is ever going to be okay, (laughs) you know, I talked to a lot of kids who did rebel and they all did turn out pretty okay. Um, you know, they, some, some people did, did honestly have some things they really regretted, but for the most part, they're functioning adults. They have relationships (laughs) with their parents. Sometimes there is a storm. You've just got to weather, you Hmm. know, and all you can do is be there for your kid, even if you haven't been there before. Hmm. Right. And if Mm -hmm. you do that, as your child grows, they will see the transformation and they will respond eventually. Hmm. Um, so do know, I know that's not the most easy word of encouragement. That's, that's the, that's one of the big ones that I found. If you're in a current Hmm. crisis and you don't know where to turn, just know that hold on and kids do tend to come back around the other side of the moon. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. for those in the prevention strategy where you see it going down a wrong path, or maybe you're currently in a really rough patch with like your 15 year old or your 16 year old, the number one thing that I saw happen again and again, that kids who rebelled told me completely backfired is parents who were kind of not as involved for a while, or maybe were overly strict for a while. And now we're seeing it kind of fall apart. They would come in and hover and they try to fix everything. Um, but you can't go back in time. Um, and if you have a 16 year old who's acting up, they're already 16. Uh, they need independence, whether or not they have been trained to use it appropriately. Hmm. Uh, and so at that point, instead of going back into parent and child mode, uh, what I found a lot of people said was most helpful is when parents, again, had honest conversations about where they felt they had done things wrong, what they wanted to do in the future, and then, uh, conversations about where they see their kids doing well. I talked to one girl Hmm. who I call Haley in the book, whose uh, mom was terrified she was going to get into the wrong crowd because her mom had gotten into the wrong crowd and she was about Haley's age and she had 13, 14 and she's hovering and hovering and uh, constantly checking Haley's phone even before Haley even got into the wrong crowd. Okay. Like this is before Haley was in the wrong crowd. Um, Checking your phone all the time, constantly like, checking to see if she was drinking, checking to see if she was smoking marijuana, all these things that she herself had done when she was right. in high school. And eventually Haley just got so fed up with it that she just went to the bad crowd because she's like, well, at least they like me, right? Hmm. My mom doesn't even like me is how she felt. Hmm. Um, and what she said is she had never actually heard her mom say that she was proud of her ever. Hmm. Um, and even now that's all she wants. <laughs> so if your kid is one of those ones who seems to be pushing you away, who is going to other people other than you, who makes you feel like there's no hope, call out the good in your kid and show them, you know what? I know that I've maybe done things that have caused you to not trust me. That is valid. And I apologize for those things, you know, and if you need to specifically name them, you know, I had a lot of kids tell me that if, if their parents had just talked to them and apologized, it would have made all the difference. And they had those conversations when their kid was 21 and it made all the difference. Wow. Um, but if you have those conversations when they're 15, right. you know, just don't wait six or seven years to have the I'm sorry conversation if you need to have it. It's okay to apologize to a 13 year old. It really is. And that can be such a healing experience for kids, especially mm-hmm. if you have had some turbulent times. You know, just again, be honest with them, but 
if you need to draw boundaries, you can also do that while being honest. You know, if you say, you know what, we aren't spending any time together as a family and that's not okay. And I know that our family time has been incredibly stressful and I know that it's ended up in screaming matches, but we're not doing that anymore. But every Thursday we are going to have board game night and the phones are going to be in the kitchen and this is why we're going to do it. And I know you might not like it, but this is important to me and this is important to our family. And so we are going to do it. Not simply a blanket statement you must, but the reasons why. You know, because I care about you, because I want to know what's going on in your life, because I don't want to wake up in 10 years and realize that we haven't talked to each other in six months, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Give them yes. the why, because I love hanging out with you, because I love you, because I want to be your friend, because I want to be more than this fighting back and forth cats and dogs relationship that we have. Give them whys that they can understand, then they're probably going to pitch a fit. And that's okay, because you've talked to them like an adult. Hmm. and you've connected mm -hmm. with them and you've shared your heart and allow them to share theirs as well. Mm -hmm. And then it's still okay to say, I understand. We're still having board game night on Thursday. Right. And honestly, there might be eye rolls out here, but inside there might be a sense of, oh, I'm wanted. Exactly. I am seen. I, you know, it, and right now it's, that's a little hard because the pattern hasn't been set, but there's still probably an internal sense of relief. Um, yeah because that, that question that all kids have, do you want me, do you see me, is being answered in, in that thing of, yeah, we're gonna play board games. I see you, I want you. Yeah, and it's not just a question that is asked, it's a question that is tested with teenagers especially, mm -hmm. right? Yes. They're just so, they don't know who they are. You're dealing with who am I? Am I a good person? Am I lovable? Am I beautiful? Am I acceptable? Or am I deformed in some way? Like you have all these horrible questions going on in your head and mm -hmm. you test it. Teenagers test it, you know, they will do pretty much anything to say, I know that you love me, but do you love me? <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what if I'm a total snot for like three months? Are you still going to want to hang out with me? Am I still likable to you? Mm -hmm. And you get to be the voice in your child's head that with every negative thing they tell themselves, you counter it with a positive. Mm -hmm. right? Every time your daughter tells herself, no one's ever going to love me. You can tell them with your actions and with your words, no matter what you do, I will always love you. I will always want to be with you. And I will always want to know what's going on in your life. And I will always want you to want to come to me mm -hmm. every single time that they have something negative in their head. You can be the person who shows them otherwise, even if you haven't done that up to this point, you can start that today. Yes. And that feels like that's the counter to where they go to their peers and are getting that affirmation from their friends. Like we need to be providing that for them yeah. so that they're not tempted. They're not looking for it in wrong places mm -hmm. that we're giving it to them first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. So I love that. I love that it's not too late for anyone. Kids are resilient mm -hmm. um, and quick to forgive, right? And so, and honestly, haven't lived a whole lot of life yet. So <laughs> there's not a lot that they, you know, time spent that they have to forgive and, and you know, move on, right? We're not talking about 30 years of life spent nope. in distance. So no, when you're 14, three weeks feels like an eternity, right? Yes. So. Yes. Well, I think all of that is encouraging. And again, um, women, it's why I didn't rebel and it's Rebecca's story and 25 other, um, success, like ultimately mostly success stories. I, I know you, you talk to those who rebelled, but it's just refreshing to hear from so many voices of, of what worked and evidence that it does. <laughs> yeah. 
So thank you so much for joining me today and offering some of your, your wisdom from, from research and from your own experience. Thank you so Appreciate much for having it. me. Yes. Thanks for listening today. If you're curious about something you heard, check the show notes for links to learn more. And perhaps you'd like to check out one of the Fierce and Lovely mini courses for a deep dive into a particular parenting topic. That link is in the notes too. Fierce and Lovely is a proud partner of the ReStory universe, where like-minded practitioners and programs are all infused with the ReStory approach. Curious? Check us out at ReStoryUniverse.com.